Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, which emanated from Archer, Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York, home of the New York Mets. And oh. joining me. Joining me tonight from Parts Unknown. <laughs> Yesterday, you got to see his pretty face. Today, he is incognitus. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris Bailey. Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, how do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Well, I had to, uh, just for the listener's knowledge, I had to pull Mark Radlish from his bed, even though despite me having a half day's work already in, already in, I had to pull this this cretin out of his bed. And now I'll, I'll give you a bit of back information on the Bailey family. So my father would be disturbed by both of us. He would say, I already have a full day's work in. Yeah, embarrassing. Embarrassing, yeah. Radlich. So a couple of things. One, you live in Canada, which is like <laughs> nine hours ahead of where we live in the uh, the American state of Florida where freedom oh, reigns. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Now he's gonna now he's gonna pull the COVID card on top of that one. Then it was COVID. <laughs> then um, Shang-Chi underperformed. Wait a minute. Two, last night. <laughs> two, last night. I'm just gonna let that pass. Um I'm, a, I'm the bigger man physically. You know. Anyway. Um but you know, Chris Bailey, you know, his wife, he uh his wife wants him to pay attention to her. And so Chris Bailey is not available in the evening times. I, however, running the podcast empire that is the Rattlegent Broadcasting Network, was burning, I tell you, burning the midnight oil. I watched AEW Dynamite Grand Slam live, and as yes. soon as uh, Britt Baker was able to put the mandible claw or whatever she's calling it on the Ruby Soho, uh, I had to then run over to my computer and have Alexis Haina, Andrew Graham, and David Wright talk for over two hours about the Lucifer season finale. What were you Oof. doing, Chris Bailey, besides playing with yourself in bed, uh, doing nothing? That's what you were doing. Uh, listen, listen. If you saw my wife, you would know why I pay attention to her, okay? That's what I'll tell you. That's where I'm going <laughs> to leave that right now. Outstanding. That's right. All right. If you are uh, if you are one of the people who are actually listening to this live on Twitch or Facebook, we appreciate you. Um, if you, as we're going along, if, um, uh, you have comments about the show, not our show, uh, but if you have comments about, <laughs> what? if you have comments about Grand Slam, uh, if you have differing opinions or the same opinions, but you want to share them anyway, be happy to put that in the chat and I will address it, uh, either in chat or on the show. All right, let's get to it. Uh, AEW Grand Slam, it kicked off. So I said to my, speaking oh. of wives and paying attention to them, my wife usually go, turns into a pumpkin at nine o'clock, especially on a school night. And I was like, hey, you're going to want to stay up for this. You're really going to want to see the, the the in-ring debut of the American Dragon, uh, Brian Danielson. And first he was like, who? I'm like, fucking Daniel Bryan, Melissa. She's like, oh, when did they start calling him the American Dragon? I don't know. 1990? Um, <laughs> this was the real version of this guy. Yeah. I was, well, what's funny is back in the day, like about 10 or 11 years ago, I guess, um, uh, he was on a Dragon Gate pay-per-view that I bought. Yep. And uh, I was like, hey, you're going to want to watch this. And she she did not remember. Anyway, I was like, hey, you're going to want to stay up to, to the main event because you're going to want to see him 
in his in-ring debut against Kenny Omega. This is probably going to be like match of the year territory. And she's like, I'll try. And they kicked off the show with Kenny Omega versus Brian Daniels and the American Dragon. And they did a, and I'll tell you, this was my exact reaction to the end of this match. Ah! They did a Broadway! They did a Broadway! Ah! <laughs> this, my friend, this was this was Clash of Champions Sting versus Ric Flair at the height of the NWA's powers. This was everything you wanted to start a show and more. You had an insane, absolutely insane crowd on hand here. 23 plus thousand people i think they added another 177 people even though there were obstructed views this place was jammed to the rafters it looked great the american dragon came out he looked like he was just could not wait to get inside that ring for the first time and actually have a professional wrestling match professional wrestling mark radlich it was so good and you know, it's so funny because if you've listened to this show in our various media platforms as we are taking over um, if, you were, if you've listened to Chris Bailey and I review enough wrestling over the past year or two, I don't always love it. Um, and I don't have, you know, all glowing things to say about this show either. But I'll, I'll tell you what, this uh, this right now is my match of the year candidate. This this oh, is man. the best yeah. match, if not at least one of the best matches I've seen this year. And it's and it's so hard to, to talk about without just filleting it because it's... <laughs> Because there's nothing, there was nothing wrong with it. It had the perfect ending. Okay, going yeah. the entire thirty for their first match on free TV, um, in a, a Georgia Dome. People were comparing this to the to uh, Hogan Goldberg in the Georgia Dome. Um, this was hotter than Gold Goldberg and Hogan. This was hotter. It may have been, but I mean, comparatively speaking, with crowds, oh, yeah. the kind yeah. of building that it was, the fact that they gave away a pay per view caliber match on free TV, a lot of similarities. So, yeah. um, in any case, I. Uh, I don't have for the for the first match ever on on free TV. It had to end the way that it did, right? Yes, hundred percent. Neither one of them could have afforded to take a pin here, and unless you wanted to do like a schmaz or a screw job no. or something, um, the only other way to do it was time limit draw. And here's the thing: the time limit draw might be the only thing they haven't overused in professional wrestling in 2021. Yep. You know exactly. what I mean? Like now, you, don't I'm, see, I'm, you don't see a lot of Broadways these days. I'm, I think they may have somewhat maybe overshot the ending or something because I, I believe the proper ending to this one was Daniel Bryan having a cattle mutilation uh, firmly in place. No, that's what it's called. That's the, that's okay. his finisher. Okay. It's, it's, you know, you, you can call you can call it whatever you want in WWE. I, I but, laugh you know, because there's a band called Cattle Decapitation, but go on. Yes, yes. So he he, he basically had him in his uh, what, what's what's the appropriate name they use in WWE for it? The yes um, lock. The loss of ratings. Right. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But I think he didn't get him in the in the submission right at the very, you know, at the 30 minute mark to to end the match. So which worked out better because it didn't leave either man in a compromising position. It didn't make uh, Kenny Omega look super weak. You know, he right. sort of got it after the bell was on. So I think it made both guys look good. 30 minutes of pure action. They went the entire match. Super, super stiff. Damn. Yeah. Man, it was super stiff. I mean, I'm telling you, those V triggers that Kenny Omega was just slamming uh, Brian we, Danielson with was amazing. We didn't do obviously any kind of like live commentary for this, but I was calling the match from my Me couch. Too. My Me son too. ran. My son ran out of the living room. He was like, "One, what the hell, man? Two, have you <laughs> lost your mind? I'm trying to sleep over here." 
this this is this is professional wrestling at its best right I here, man. It, it doesn't get better. I was screaming in my living room. I yep. every time Kenny Omega hit um, Brian Danielson with a V trigger, I was like, ah, he hit him again. Like, and here's the thing: we have seen Kenny Omega hit dozens of V triggers in a single yep. match to the same guy in the same place, and I don't get this excited. Like, they were utilizing every every trick in the book too. There, he he was running the full length of the ramp and mm -hmm. just dishing it in, shoving it in hard. Uh, Daniel Bryanson was, or Daniel Bryanson, my God, listen <laughs> to me, Brian Danielson, whatever the heck this guy's name is, was laying in those kicks, laying mm -hmm. in the knees, like every single move was crisp. Let me tell you something that 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 release dragon suplex from the top rope, holy yeah. crap! These guys I, had it, were laying it all in. I don't know what he calls the thing where he back bridges, but he has the, he had Kenny Omega in a full Nelson. That looks yeah. super cool. I have no oh idea what God. that is. I've never seen it before. Um, so, so good. So the last thing of this, and then we got to move on. Um, so to one, also the, uh, the elite coming in and like saving Kenny Omega from Daniel Bryan yeah. post-match beatdown. Uh, that had, to, I mean, I know people were like booing, but I think they were like still booing the fact that we didn't have a definitive winner, which is all right. fine. This is, this yeah, is yeah. chapter one, for God's sakes, calm down. Um, but, uh, oh God, what I was going to say, the, there was something where I was screaming at from my couch and I, I, oh, that, that was it. I, um, I've never seen, okay. So I'm wearing my Jim Cornette shirt. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to think about like, what will Jim Cornette say about this much? Cause he hates Kenny Omega for wrestling the doll and kicking the child. But, here's the, but here's the thing. A lot of what he says about Kenny Omega and his working style is, that he's not the he's not the world's greatest worker in that a lot of what he does looks fake. And I'll tell you, I don't always I, I I don't necessarily disagree with some of that. I think there have been matches with Kenny Omega that look ridiculous, and he's a big part of it. What I'm getting to is that in this match, because it wasn't all Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega held up his end of the bargain. His oh my god, more than more than his end of the bargain. He was incredible. This looked like a fight. Like Kenny Omega seemed like he was struggling, and there were only like maybe one or two times, you know, where I was looking at Brian Danielson or Kenny Omega, and I'm like, mm, "This seems a little stagey." But yeah, like yeah. as as we said before, I got very lost in the match. Like I forgot I was watching pro wrestling and thought I was watching an actual fight. That's right. how good and that, this was. That's the difference. And I'll tell you what, that doesn't happen a lot. So, you know, Kenny Omega has a fantastic dance partner mm -hmm. because you, you've seen him in the Tokyo Dome taking on like folks like Okada. And they have such a staged formula where it's the, you know, it's the kick out, it's the clothesline, the rainmaker, whatever. And then it's the V trigger. Then it's the clothesline. It's the same thing over and over. And they've had a bunch of matches and it's the same formula. It feels like an orchestrated fight. This felt like an actual, real, like legitimate match where both guys wanting to win. And that is the testament to this being an unbelievable encounter. All right, last, last thing. And then we're going right yep. into the next segment. Yes. Um, so the big famous SmackDown, Talking Smack segment, where, yep. where Brian Danielson said to The Miz, you wrestle like a coward. And, and, and The Miz rightfully answered, okay, go get another concussion, fuckface. Um, <laughs> or or something like that. Um, but but you know, for, for, I'm not Brian Danielson, and I'm not his wife or his kids. If he wants to go, you know, if he wants to go to AEW and smash his head into every hard object he can find, that's on him. And some of that will be entertaining. He, he looked so happy last night. Oh, you know, listen, I, I, I want to talk about the, the open of this match, where literally mm -hmm. the crowd was exploding for them just locking up. 
You yeah. know you have something. You know you have something going on in your product mm-hmm. when people explode over a lockup. Think about this. Right. A couple of years ago, we started out with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Joey Janela, Joey Janela, and Sonny Kiss, by God. And they said that they were going to be the competition. Fast, flash forward a couple of years, and you've got uh, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega selling out an arena and the crowd stadium. going absolutely correct. Call, and, the de- call the devil by its name. They sold out a fucking stadium. They sold out a stadium. No problem. And listen to this. They're beating WWE two weeks in a row in the key demo. When did they ever think that this was possible? It's possible. Competition is now possible. I love it. All right. So um, when we reviewed, uh, when we talked about CM Punk, I think it was at All Out. We talked about our All Out review. We talked about CM Punk. um, Happy Punk. Happy Punk. Showing up to Rampage. And you and I got into a sissy slap fight over his (laughs) promo. Because I basically was like, he said nothing. He was like, it was like, hi, I'm I'm very happy to be here. And yes. hey, remember that time on the podcast where I said the WWE made me sick? The WWE made me sick. And, and Darby Allen, you're next. Terrific. Yep. And I rolled right. my eyes. And you were like, Rattledge, you're too negative. And I was like, okay, whatever. That's what that needed to be. It was his welcome home party. That's all it needed to be. It didn't need to be a promo to sell a match. People were happy to see him. He sure. was happy to be there. That was all it needed to be. It was absolutely serviceable. I didn't have to love it by law. Um, this promo that he gave on Rampage was great. Yes, like, it, it was. was. It was short. It was to the point. Um, Happy Punk the, went away, and they friend, got he got down to business. Friends of the show co- kind of complained that he was like that. Didn't the line about they took it away from me mate, didn't make a tremendous amount of sense? I mean, if yes, you're, I was gonna say if you're if you, I got it, man. I got what he was trying to say, and I and I kind of agreed with his point of view of feeling like because he wasn't allowed to do what he seemingly does best and does, you know, and, and does what people like um, he was made to do other things. And this wasn't fun for him anymore. I Correct. think it's a form of taking something away from somebody, you know, when well, you, make, when you, when you, you when you're situation untenable, when you're told that you're going to main event a WrestleMania and all of a sudden there's no chance of you ever doing that. All mm. of a sudden you're starting to feel blindsided. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I want to sell my merchandise the same way that John Cena sells his merchandise. I want to sell this shirt. Nobody gets behind it. He can't sell the shirt. I want a friggin' WWF ice cream bar with my face on it. No, they would not do it. Every single time he tried to promote himself, it was no, 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 no. Big money, John, every time. I had that That's shirt, taken- by the way. The ice cream oh, bar shirt. Do you really? Yes. <laughs> I bought it immediately as soon, as soon as they were selling it. Anyway, um, yeah, he came out, he gave a great promo, I thought, and then he promoted his match on Rampage with uh, Calvin and Hobbs. Perfect. Um, Yes, it was perfect. It was literally a perfect promo. So he he, he even addressed that people didn't like, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, condensation, condensation, my God. Yes, there was condensation around it. Um, Condemnation around his happy, happy happy-go-lucky promos and his Mm -hmm. happy-go-lucky match that he had against Darby Allin. So, you know, people weren't seeing the punk that they wanted to see, the aggressor, you know, the someone, the pipe bomb thrower. Instead, they got happy guy who was happy to be there. Everything was happy. And he addressed that. And finally, he got down to business and he tore powerhouse Hobbs, a new asshole on this promo. And I loved it. Next match was MJF versus uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Yes. You know, it, it, this was hard for me. This was like, I want to see them push Brian Pillman because yep. of the whole dark side of the ring thing. And like right now he's got super baby face attention because of, yep. you know, because he had this, 
he touched he was able to like to touch the crowd through a documentary completely separate from AEW. Correct. And and this is why I say like I'm not gonna be one of these people who everything's a 10 out of 10 or a one out of one. Some things are just a five. And here's the thing: AEW doesn't always make great decisions. How do you not push Brian Pillman right now? And then like MJF is the best thing ever. His promos are hilarious. He's such a dick, and, you know. And like he did the the Randy Orton talking to Eddie Guerrero thing uh, <laughs> and, on Dynamite. <laughs> he's screaming at because he's because he's in hell. Get it? He's yelling at the floor at uh, Brian Pillman <laughs> Senior. It's all perfect. So you don't want to see him lose either, considering he. He loses every single feud he's in. Like he is like MJF might be the best talent that they have on the roster in terms of having a character and delivering a promo, but he's but his his like feud work is just running in circles. He's on a treadmill. So right. like you, you didn't want to see him lose to Brian Pillman either. But like the, either don't make the match then between those two, or I, I just feel like MJF he had a competitive match with Brian Pillman, and I guess that's okay. And the match itself was just kind of there. It was, there was no big deal. And then, the, the, you know, your super over baby face with a lot of sympathy with the crowd gets beat. And they're like, why are we, why are we even doing this? No, no. I, I, so I disagree that. So think about okay. Brian Pillman, the original, his father, his character. So he was not a guy who was amassing a lot of wins and losses. He got by simply on pure work ethic, okay? You All of a sudden he won a match. Yes, but he was after a match. He was jerking the curtain with Tom Zink, okay, in a US, in a U.S. title match against the Midnight mm-hmm. Express. And these guys, you know, despite having a little bit of tenure behind them from AWA for uh, Zink and then uh, Stampede with Pillman, all of a sudden they started to gain attention. Now you're at Super Brawl Two. You're fighting Jushin Thunder Liger for the uh, the television title, and mm-hmm. he or the lightweight title, I should say, and he wins. Now all of a sudden, Pillman's on track, but he's not known for his win losses. It would be the wrong thing to do to put Brian Pillman Jr. at this stage in his career when he's just developing against the ultimate heel that they have here. So MJF needed a win. He's coming off a loss from Jericho. He needs to get his heat back. What better way to get some sympathy, uh, not some sympathy, but some heat back on him, but to beat the little golden child guy, you know, the son of Brian Pillman in the middle of the ring and slap around his girlfriend, Julia. That's what he did. It was MJF regaining his heel heat. I was perfectly okay with it. And I don't think Brian Pillman lost a step with this. I think he showed he had enough fire in his belly that uh, that he wins here. It's good. Eventually, the sympathy he garnered yes. from Dark right. Side of the Ring is going to dissipate. Right. You do need to win. You're right. I, I, I'm in total agreement with that. Okay. To get somebody over, wins need to happen. You're right. Right. So I will, I will grant you, he could probably afford a loss here. Yes. But he's yes. getting to that tipping point where if he doesn't start winning soon, yep. People are going to lose interest and be like, well, you suck. So let's move on. Correct. Um, next thing that happens in this show, uh, we have a backstage segment with Alec Marvez talking to Jericho and Hager about their match on Friday against the men of the, that is a fantastic tag team name. Men of the year. Um, <laughs> Hager says they're more like a bunch of toys, a uh, bunch of boys following around a fat faced dipshit. So can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Somebody brought up last night on the Lucifer <laughs> podcast how they forgot that this wasn't on Fox anymore and they could actually say, you know, the occasional curse word. And it's jarring and, you know, and it kind of grabs your attention when no one ever does it. And then suddenly somebody drops a, a naughty word and you're like, whoo, you know? Yeah. When it's every other segment and every other line, it's, it loses its effectiveness. And I said this on Twitter. They got to cut back on the cursing. Less is I, more. You're right. 
yeah, this is get this is getting to the point where it's not effective at all, and it just makes them all sound like idiots. So yeah, guys, yeah. find another way to communicate your ideas, and then the occasional I've had enough of this shit. Well, oh, you've got my attention, sir. Not <laughs> the fucking TikTok meme where it shit fucking you know it's just going oh, on yeah. and on and on. Yeah, you terrible. know. All right, terrible. moving on. Um, so Jake. Uh, Jake Hager says, following around a bunch of dipshits. Uh, Jericho says they are the toughest team in AEW. Sure. And Lambert decided to put his nose in their business, and he's going to bite it off. Arr. Jericho says, bring the rest <laughs> of American top team because they are ready for Rampage. And then we had the American Nightmare with his terrible tattoo oh. and his terrible wife and his <laughs> <laughs> against Malachi Black. Um, I got to be honest <laughs> with you, and I, and I meant to say this before. The downside to starting with Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson was a kind of lost interest as this the show wore on. It picked oh, yeah, up oh, again at no, the end. No, no doubt about it. But you know, just the the audience reaction to this match alone was worth the watch. It was it was on. And I think Cody Rhodes is picking up the vibe that wait a second here, these people honestly don't like me. It's not a matter of I'm in a different hometown all of a sudden and I'm not popular. Now it's becoming a thing. It's an infection that I need to cure. So am I going to stay babyface or what am I doing? Think about what his makes thing, his, Cody Rhodes not his, a, not, wife, go ahead. his wife is Stephanie McMahon. He's yeah, never exactly. going to, he cannot right. get over with this crowd. Everyone fucking right. hates Brandy. And I, would give, and I will let you continue and, and, and give you an opportunity here, but I got to say this now. How do you think you're going to get over as a babyface and gain sympathy from a crowd, especially a New York crowd, when the guy, when the heel that came out to the ring was being cheered because they're so happy he broke the chains and left the WWE and is here to be all the Tommy Ennis that he can be or Malachi Black or Shmigeki yep. McGee or Ham Sandwich. He can be all the things he can be. And everyone's like, yes, we're so happy for you. And out comes Cody Rhodes, who is already not the most sympathetic of people. But then he comes <laughs> out with this star fucking bitch. Who then, who, when, Al, when Malachi sits in the ring and does his thing, she gets in front of him, does the same thing, mocks him, and gives him the finger, and she's got to be thinking, oh, they'll cheer me for that. No, they won't, you asshole. No, they won't. Exactly. So <laughs> they this, this entire... Uh, Cody Rhodes situation just reeks of entitlement. So people are people are literally putting the Triple H Stephanie McMahon brush on these people. You know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah. guy is no longer the Cody Rhodes who introduced AEW to the masses. He's no longer sympathetic for being the son of Dusty Rhodes. Now he's an arrogant asshole, and his nobody likes his wife. So you have his wife who's unlikable. You have this dramatic, almost completely heelish entrance. It's ridiculous. Cody Rhodes entrance. He has so much pyro. There's more pyro in Cody Rhodes's entrance than there is in Saudi Arabia when they do crown jewel. And that's blood money paying for that. I'm telling you. And then you have Arn Anderson. Tell me what in the blue hell Arn Anderson was doing in this show. He fell off the ring twice. Once, I think, on his own accord by accident. Then the second time to actually play a part in the match. It was ridiculous. Cody Rhodes is a is a heel and they painted these guys wrong. So the crowd is completely 100% turned against Cody Rhodes. The announcers don't even acknowledge it in any way. They continue on. So the match ends when Malachi black sprays him in the face with the black mist. Okay. And he, he rolls up Cody Rhodes after some shenanigans with poor fat Aaron Anderson on the outside. Anyway, 
Although the announcers then all of a sudden decide that they're going to pick up and say, oh, Malachi Black will go to any lengths to win this match. Wait a second. This guy's the face. <laughs> and you're trying to <laughs> continually paint him as a heel. Nobody's buying it, guys. It's time for Cody Rhodes to accept the fact he needs to turn heel ASAP. They're grating on people's nerves. Nobody likes Brandy. And I think it's a catalyst for money. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like ECW was able to better navigate crowd reactions. You know, oh, yeah. I, and and this is where AEW and the WWE both like can't like step on their own dicks and can't get out of their own way. They don't seem to be able to pivot. Like think about you know think about like Steve Austin, think about The Rock, yeah. and how and how ably they were able to navigate the waters of crowd reactions. When yeah. um, when that freedom was given to them, you know, if they if they John Cena, okay, actually John Cena is probably the best example of this. So John Cena is your babyface white meat good guy, right? Yeah. Except that he's defending the title against Rob Van Dam, right? At ECW <laughs> One Night Stand. Oh boy, what a lynch mob that was! Woo! <laughs> In New York City. Yep. Okay, it was great. If they could have brought guns to that show, they would have and shot John Cena <laughs> dead. <laughs> the infamous "If John Cena wins, we riot." So that was incredible. The the heat was molten lava. This is right. uh, ECW one night stand. Cena versus Rob Van Dam. Uh, ECW arena. That place is ready to kill John Cena, and he's milking that shit. He's walking to the ring. He's got the WWE title. He's got his head down. He's mm -hmm. getting bombarded with stuff, and he's spinning that motherfucking belt, man, and it's killing people. <laughs> he threw he's, his shirt, not knowing they, they would throw, throw it back, back at him. <laughs> oh, it was great. Jake John Cena knew where he was and what he was doing, and just you and, know, and despite it all, he leaned into it. And and yes. it, and and here's the thing: um, I was talking with a friend of mine before the show started tonight, and I said, authenticity sells wrestling, even right. if it's not really authentic, but it, you can at least fool people into thinking it is. Right. This is what we come for, and it's though you know. And so when you have a situation going rounding this back to Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is kind of having cognitive dissonance about it, about fan acceptance and not ably being able to lean into it. And his wife having zero clue takes me out of the show. Like, come on. Oh, guys. me too. Me too. Me too. But they, here's, they, listen, they should have done a double switch in this match. I agree. But you got to understand why is the Cody Rhodes character not over? Like, you know, God, you know, he's a son of Dusty Rhodes. What made Dusty Rhodes over? He's the common man. He's a you can do whatever you want with Dusty Rhodes. He is still, for all intents and purposes, the common man. You can dress him up in polka dots. You can give him sapphire. You can Relatable. stick him on. Yes, you can stick him on the opening part of that card. But everybody knew that this is Dusty Rhodes, and he's us. He didn't have a million dollar body. Right. He didn't have a supermodel girlfriend or ten million dollars worth of pyro. He was our guy. We didn't care if he was super fat. But guess what? When he got on that, when he got on that mic. And he let the people know, baby, this is hard times. You know what I mean? You're replaced right. by uh, whatever it was. It's hard, to, it's hard to identify with the EVP of a wrestling company in fancy suits um, who keeps who keeps having to leave television to go do reality TV shows. Bingo, it's, it's, right on the money. That's not who. That's not who his fans are, and there and that is the setup for heel. And last thing I'm going to say about this, then we can move on. The smart. I, bashing the WWE incessantly for every single thing that they do, I think, is unfair. They Correct. never tried to turn Stephanie McMeal, Stephanie McMahon, face. From what I remember, she right. was always an asshole. <laughs> she, no one would. The last time anyone accepted her even remotely sympathetically was when the Undertaker was trying to murder her. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When she was like innocent, innocent little. Right. Uh, 
little girl. Yeah, daddy's girl. But that no matter what they did, no matter what part of the show she was in, she was always a raving asshole. And they never, they, you know, they never thought, well, the fans, you know, like like Brandy seems to do, like, well, the fans will love me. They'll never love you, Brandy. Never. Look at my, look at my face. Never. I mean, I was, I dislike Stephanie McMahon back in the day when she was advertising T-shirts in WWF magazine. I'm like, that girl doesn't even know who Jake the Snake is. My God. <laughs> Such a neck beard. Um, <laughs> anywho, moving on. Um, uh, so, what do you think of the match, though? Just real quick. Before, oh, good. you know what? It was good. No, listen, Malachi Black and uh, and Cody they do have they do have some decent chemistry. There was, like I said, outside of the buffoonery of uh, of Arn Anderson out there rolling around like a beach ball, uh, this match was more than fine. All right. So, real quick, um, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here in the show, and that is Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Uh, they advertise for next Wednesday, Miro versus Sammy Guevara. God's favorite champion, Miro. Yes, sir. What a against the Spanish against the Spanish God. So Just, God's favorite. They got to make up their mind with God. Does <laughs> Sammy G look like he's on the gas? Like he looks real muscular now, dude. Remember his first appearance on on Dynamite, the first episode. He fought right. Cody Rhodes in the opener. He comes yeah. out with this like wolf's head or something on his it head. Panda. Wasn't it wasn't a was it a panda head? Whatever, whatever it was, head, he yeah. comes out and this guy is like rail thin, like Darby yeah. Allen rail thin. Right. Now this guy's he's getting a bit of buff, man. He's becoming the Spanish god here. Yeah, he he was definitely looking like an indie midget on that first episode of Dynamite. Now he like obviously he hasn't gotten any taller, but he looks fucking swole. He's you eating know? at the Jericho's. <laughs> well, no, he's not fat, but <laughs> he, he like he um like he he did one of these deals, you know, like he showed off his biceps. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, when did you become a man? You're a real now, boy, Sammy Guevara. Now, if we're talking about this, I'm going to give Jericho his due. Jericho looked in good shape here tonight. Okay. He had an interview. Yeah, he did. He looked good. This guy, this guy it doesn't matter. It, it's funny because even though despite him getting fat, no, sir, will he reduce to be wearing that shirt. Absolutely not happening. That gut is hanging out. <laughs> good but him. he looked good. He looked good tonight. He looked good I, and tanned. I, and Yeah. Look, I, Longtime fans of TV Party Tonight and especially our wrestling interviews know that we're all about body positivity on this show. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> do, do not look in the archives, people. Do not look in the archives. Uh, FTR with Tully Blanchard <laughs> took on Sting and Darby Allen. And uh, Sting had like a PTSD moment where he was beating up on Tully. I'll kill you for all the four horsemen things. Yeah, listen, Sting. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you something. Sting 1992 returned here tonight. It was wicked. Go ahead. Um, this was fine. Sting looked pretty good. He didn't look like he was huffing and puffing and falling. No, all over sir. Himself. He did not. Um, somebody, somebody, friend of the show mentioned that FTR looked like they were buried in that match. I mean, it's hard to be, it, it, it's hard to be buried when you're already covered in dirt. It's like, what? You can't <laughs> bury them even more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as as they lost that title to the Young Bucks. It was over for FTR, and at this point, they're just there. 
and I'm sure they were happy to be on TV. I mean, like some of these guys, the wins and losses don't really matter. It's like who you get in there with and, you know, what kind of performance you can put on. And I'm yep. sure they were pleased as punch to get in there with the legend, the stinger, you know. 100%. So it's fine. Um, I'm going to tell you I wasn't particularly interested in this match. And I was this, <gasps> was this was about the point of the show where I was like walking back and forth on my computer and doing stuff. But I mean, like I said, it seemed fine. I'll let you uh, kind of give your thoughts on it because I know that when Sting came out, off came the pants. The Bailey pants. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> 19, 1990 surfer boy Sting. Let me tell you something. Paired up with Lex Luger, beating down the Steiners. That's my jam back in the day. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, you saw, you saw splashes. Uh, of that sting here tonight. Like this guy is 60 years old, man. He's wrestling like he's like he's in his 30s here. He's not he's not top flight sting, but he's giving it his all. He didn't even look winded and he did most of the movement in this match. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Sting and Luger taking on Tully Blanchard and Aaron Anderson, you know, you know, wheelchair Lex Luger. But but anyway, despite despite all that, he, I thought they looked good. Sting was actually put in a position to have a submission win. What a jarring difference between the way the WWE treated Sting, just burying him on WrestleMania, losing to Seth Rollins, lose, 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 to what AEW is doing with him. They respect his position uh, in history, you know what I mean? And they're giving him wins and making him look good and building a star in Darby Allen. This is how you do it. Textbook. I enjoyed this match. And guess what? FTR was not buried. They look great in putting these two kids or two kids. Listen to me. One kid and 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 the old warrior. They made him look great. So good job, guys. Even Tully Blanchard bumping his ass off. Much better than fat roly poly Aaron Anderson. All right. In the next segment, they um they showed a replay of the interaction between Dr. Britt Baker. Did you know she was a dentist? And Ruby <laughs> and Ruby Soho. Um, running gags. I love them. Uh they I, I have to say. The inter Britt Baker, speaking of authentic, is probably one like oh, yeah. quickly becoming one of the best talkers in AEW. And like <laughs> her, the thing she said to Ruby Soho really made me laugh. She was like, Why are you lying to everyone and yourself? You didn't leave the WWE, you got fired, dumbass. Yes, <laughs> I, I was like, burn. <laughs> like, yes, it's so true. Like, you like they were done with you. Yeah, this is no having... badge of honor, Ruby Soho. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's um, you know, and then Ruby like tried to turn it around. She was like, "It's the best thing that ever happened to me." Good for you, I guess. But yeah, yeah well, the fact that your ass got thrown out like trash. You're sleeping with people in the back, okay? You're like what? <laughs> yes, because because some people form relationships and have intimacy with each other. You know, I, I, yeah, oh, it's a weird, weird concept. No, I slept with someone, somebody on somebody else's roster, and brought them over. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Job, job well done. Britt Baker is your MVP of AEW, baby. She's she's so good that that guy actually left that roster to come home. That's um, what I'm talking about. Well, you know, he didn't want to manage the Bearcat. <laughs> Stop. Will you stop, Mark Rutledge? Oh, my goodness. Anywho, um, oh. they, so they announced for Friday's Rampage, a <laughs> two-hour Rampage, which we will not be reviewing. Um, we we are um, we're getting Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford and that long-running feud that everyone's been interested in. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Anna Jay, what, what, why are you, why are you uh, uh, spitting all over my Dark Order woman? John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki, who uh, yes. Pat Mullen, 
2-0 over Minoru Suzuki. I'm just going to go ahead and give that stat out there. If you don't know who Pat Mullen is, <laughs> just know that he's beaten the legend twice in two interactions uh, with uh, Minoru Suzuki. Anyway, they're having a lights-out match, so that'll be fun and I'm sure filled yep. with barbed wire. Uh, and then the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Lucha Brothers, with Santana and Ortiz, will be taking on Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. This Sam, seems oh, like a match match from like the early days of AEW. This seems like a callback. It really does. Like this is very uneven. Um, CM Punk will be taking Calvin taking on Calvin and Hobbs. Um, <laughs> Chris Jericho and Jake Hager will be taking on Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky with Dan Lambert. That is that I'm looking forward to. That looks that looks real fun. Yeah. yeah. And then we have a uh, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks taking on. Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express, which is fine because, like, you know, they this is actually like a hot feud uh, yeah. with all these guys. And then finally, we have um, Britt Baker. Oh, wait, no, this, that, that, that's the next segment. Sorry. All right. And so that's that. Um, and then we get to our main event. Ta da! <laughs> we have Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. And look, say what you want about Ruby Soho and the WWE. Um, she uh, she was always one of their better workers, and I thought her and Britt Baker actually put on a reasonably good match. You know, was it the best match ever? Is it you know five out of five stars in the Tokyo Dome? No, let's right. not get it. Let's not get insane. But um, I thought they actually put on a very solid, entertaining match. I thought Ruby Soho got a lot of sympathy in the match, and you know she was she had a lot. Britt Baker came across as the the stronger better wrestler and she was really putting a beating on ruby soho so ruby soho got to have a lot of comeback spots right but um but eventually the numbers game wore her down she got tripped up and whatnot by jamie Hayter and rebel not reba um and you know Britt baker got to steal a victory away from ruby soho but it was still a strong victory as she you know she put her out with a submission so um i don't think they're done i i feel like this is just chapter one i feel like ruby soho now has to you know fight the goons off and corner Britt Baker uh, alone with no help. I think that that's got to be where this ends. And I'm not even saying put the title on Ruby Soho, but I do think that they need two or three more matches before we can call an end to this feud. Right. Oh, uh, what do you think of the what do you think of the match? Uh, just one moment. Okay. Yeah. No. Listen. The uh, the match itself was very good. I mean, you had uh, a bit of a muted crowd reaction, which was really really strange for that. So you know, when Ruby came out, she it was almost uh, almost a muted reaction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when all of a sudden when it went to lock up, all of a sudden the crowd was super popping for it. So it was a really really strange intro to this one. Uh, Ruby Soho looked good. I mean, yeah. overall, at the end of the day, and, uh, you know, she was really beaten down. It was a numbers game, so she really didn't lose any steam. Uh, sad to see her lose in one of her first matches, of course, which is, you know, I I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, you must win to be over, like you are. Oh, yeah, but, but like, uh, don't don't put them in there with the champion, then, unless you're going to take the belt off the champion. Exactly like, right. You know, I, exactly. they wanted a hot feud. Look, name, I'll give you three. Name three women right now that are hot enough to put in there with Britt Baker where you could actually draw some money. There is. Yeah. Um, no, there isn't <laughs> any. And then she's a new, like she's a new product and all that stuff. Right. But where do, where do you phase her now? Like, okay, like we got to step off. She's not going to be in the title picture right now, but mm -hmm. you got to have a crash pad for her. So you got to have her do something. So do you start her at the bottom now with like a Penelope Ford or do you move into, you know, one of uh Brit's, 
Brit's uh, hench girls. You know what I mean? Where, where, where do you go with uh, Ruby Soho right away? Because it will be a mistake, like you say, to put the belt mm-hmm. on her right away. She needs to come up through the ranks, get a bit of a claim. It wouldn't surprise me to see Sarah Logan join her, honestly. I know she's out of the mix right now, but it wouldn't shock me. I tell you, that's what I thought. That's where I thought this was going. It's funny you say that. Um, I kept thinking with the way that this ended, I'm like, watch Sarah Logan run out. Now, my yeah. question was, was she going to run out in her barbarian gear? But whatever. <laughs> um, oh, God, please. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I honestly was wondering if, if someone was going to come down to save Ruby Soho. I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to end up, this is going to be like, we're going to do six man tags and we're going to do tag teams and. You know, and people are going to like Ruby Soho is going to find friends backstage and they're going to go after Britt Baker and her goons and that and maybe like full gear or revolution, which are the next two pay-per-views. I mean, it's, so, it's so hard with this company because like I keep wanting to use pay-per-views as natural markers of a yeah. uh, few uh, feuding matches. But then they do shit like this, which is basically a pay-per-view. Like this, you know. this was, yeah, this is a statement. This mm-hmm. is clash of champions, you know, back in the day, this is, this is sting versus flair. This is everything that you want to put on your, on your TV to say, this is our product. This is our statement. And I think that overall, this is a super big thumbs up show. You had, you know, you established a heel in MJF. That's all you literally did there. You brought out Cody Rhodes. You had him fight a hot new up and coming talent. You had Britt Baker as your showcase champion, who's who's literally money. She she is money to be printed as a future future star of the business. And I mean, not even a future. The future is here now with her. And you started the show with the best professional wrestling match this year, bar none, maybe last year involved as well. I mean, what a what a statement. This is a big middle finger to anything that's out there right now. So the next big dynamite show, I know Rampage is two hours, um, which is fine. You know, they, they were there. They're making use of the building. I don't have a real problem with it. I don't also feel the need to talk about it. And they're Pat Holland ne- left before Rampage started, before <laughs> CM Punk hit the ring. What? what? Yeah, I, I get it, man. Well, he's not a huge fan of the dishwasher. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. But uh, the next... Um, pay-per-view style special dynamite episode like this one homecoming fight for the fallen etc ones that we've typically been covering here on tv party tonight the next one will be saturday night dynamite you know like saturday night's main event this is saturday night's dynamite and that'll be october 23rd in my backyard mickeyville the the happiest place on earth orlando florida um and this will be because they're doing this on a saturday night because apparently they're getting preempted by uh nhl coverage so Hmm. We'll see. Well. We may or may not cover it. It all depends. All depends on Chris Bailey. He's either like working or he's he's hanging out with his family. He doesn't do like I do. Is like just put the fucking people to bed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Go to bed. I got thing. I got things to talk about. I got people to make fun of. All right. He 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 likes to say this, but this guy on the other end of the mic, he's a family guy. I'm telling you right now. It this that's his gimmick. He's shilling here. Speaking of gimmicks, <laughs> what are you listening to? You were listening to Roxette. Did, did you know that she had the look? Well, hello, you fool. I love you. Come uh, on, join the joyride. Let's of join the joyride. That's right. Well, I'll Come tell join you, the joyride. Let me ask you a question. This is very important, Chris. Were you using the uh, Amazon Music Unlimited service to get all the Roxette you could handle? Well, of course you was. I was availing of the deal here on the W2M network, which you're about to get into right now. I mean, why would you not take advantage of AmazonMusic.com when you have such a great deal that you're going to tell the folks about right now? Yes, sir. If you would like to 
uh, try the Amazon Music Unlimited service for free, we are giving away a 30-day trial simply by clicking the link in the description of getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Um, just like Spotify and Apple Music and even more, you can find zillions of albums, artists, and individual songs that you can stream to your heart's content. And at the end of that 30 days, if you're not satisfied, you can cancel, no fuss, no muss, no contracts, no pains in the butt. Or you can keep it and you can link it to your uh, Alexa devices. You can uh, play it on your phone and in your car. It'll, you know, who doesn't want a soundtrack to life? Amazon Music Unlimited provides you that soundtrack. All righty. Uh, so that's it. Myself, uh, Pat Mullen, if you're looking for more wrestling stuff. Myself, Pat Mullen, and this here, Chris Bailey. We did our Mania of WrestleMania review and discussion yesterday. Uh, about about two hours to finally get through it all. Um, but it was a really it was a really fun discussion. It was the rise and fall of the Ultimate Warrior. We had a great time, and we managed to not repeat every single thing we've done on the other three podcasts we've done on the Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> which was which was deft on our part. We managed to somehow avoid repeating ourselves incessantly, which was nice. Um, myself, Alexis Haina, uh, Andrew Graham, and David Wright. We reviewed the final season of Lucifer. That's up. Uh, I promised to get his name right this time. Robert Winfrey, Robert Winfrey, Robert Winfrey. And I, I called, <laughs> I called my him, gimmick. I called him what's his name last night. He was very upset with me. Um, <laughs> my, my brain broke. Um, anyway, uh, we did a triple feature of three Westerns, the new uh, Clint Eastwood, Cry Macho on HBO Max, um, nice. Concrete Cowboy from Netflix, and Hell or High Water from, I think it was 2015, 2016, that's currently uh, airing on Hulu. Um, we also, this past week, what did we do? We, uh, there was a re, oh, we reviewed the new Andrew WK, which Andrew WK then retweeted. Yeah. To my shock and horror. Um <laughs> but hey, <laughs> hope you liked it. Um, and then we have a re-airing of, speaking of Cowboys, we have a re-airing of The Magnificent Seven tonight. Myself and Pat Mullen will do the next chapter in The Four Kings of Boxing. We'll be focusing on Thomas Hearns. Hey, Chris Bailey, have you been liking, you know, you didn't know me a few years ago. So all the stuff that's, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, that's all new to you. Have you yeah. been liking the re-airings? Oh, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I much rather like the news. No, it's it's good stuff. You you guys have been doing this for a, quite a while, man. Your library and catalog runs deep, my brother. It's it's good stuff. Despite uh, you know some some audio difficulties in some of the early episodes, it yeah, absolutely cool. improves. Now it, it's uh you guys are content machines, and just the level of stuff that's at your fingertips is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, some of those Block Talk Radio. That's why we're not on Block Talk Radio anymore. Those some of those episodes are a little rough. Anyway, oh, hey, listen, you, you guys, you guys trying to uh, trying to beat the clock is some of the funniest stuff you're ever going to see. <laughs> For God's sake, shut up! We're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes left. Blog Talk Radio. Then you're out. Yep. Well, oh, this wait, week, wait before before we go, Pat Mullen. I asked him a whole bunch of questions just so we could have it on the show, and he answered yeah. me back okay. about what was going on. So, Pat in the worst uh, pay-per-view review of all time, said that he missed the first match. So he missed Omega and Brian Danielson. He wow. said the parking situation was run like a like a Chinese fire drill. <laughs> he said that I'm Punk sure. was super over with his BS promo. 
He said for Britt Baker and Ruby, he said that the crowd were 75% for Britt, 25% for Ruby. He said that Brian Pillman was over. MJF got a 25% pop and 75% heat. He said that the crowd popped for uh, Malachi Black's entrance, and he got a small Super Dave chant going for Cody. That's because of his gear. He looked more like Sonar from Green Lantern, he said, but I didn't, uh, I didn't think most people even knew what that was. He said that, and his final statement was, Brandy got a pop when she came out, crowd heavily into black. Cody got more of a positive reaction at the, at the start, but the crowd turned on him the longer it went. And botching stuff didn't help. And that's his review, everybody. Pat Mullen. All right. Um, last thing, what I was <laughs> getting to was this weekend, we'll actually have a long road to ruin re-air of the two-part episodes on the Rambo series. Oh. Yeah. Well, wow, I love the Rambo series. I loved every yeah. bit of it. Yep, that's this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Part one is Saturday, part two is Sunday. And then and then we're into Venom stuff all next week. So oh, oh. Stay, t- stay tuned for more about that. We've got comics, we've got movies, we've got, and everyone loves a bad guy. And somewhere in there, we're going to sneak in and everyone loves a bad guy on The Sopranos that Robert did a million years ago. So the, all that's coming up before the new Venom movie and before The Many Saints of Newark is released. Do you, All right. Do you have the uh, the positivity penis himself, Andrew, on for the Venom uh, Venom uh, coverage? For the movie? No. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. It's, I'm the, surprised. The, the new movie coming out is me, Alexis, Robert, and Jason Teasley, who's like the world's biggest Carnage fan. He, he only likes, uh, Andrew only likes the pro- MC, uh, MCU proper shows, doesn't he? I did that. Uh, um so <laughs> yes that's my, that's my answer all right hey go plug, your, <laughs> plug your stuff so we can get out of here in less than an hour for the first time ever yay all right well super blog team up is coming up it's october 27th that's right 27th we did not make a mistake uh this time it's super blog team up goes to hell what we mean by hell if you're a demon demon possessed superhero or you're johnny blaze ghost rider you're going to enjoy when the bloggers and the podcasters get together for super blog team up goes to hell follow the hashtag super blog team up or hashtag sbtu on twitter on october 27th and you're going to get a whole load a dearth of content all about hell there you go that's what's happening all right thanks for joining us here on tv party tonight uh the next wrestling thing we're doing that that's the last thing i say the next wrestling thing we're doing is extreme rules that's going to be this sunday night september 26th and we will review it 10 a.m eastern standard time live here on twitch and facebook uh september 28th that'll be the tuesday afterwards um presumably that's gonna be me you and harry we never know with harry he's a mystery trapped in a pickle trapped in an enigma so we'll see what we'll see what happens. <laughs> Until then, for Chris uh, Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.